John, the biggest story here is still the Big Ten and what's going to happen with its TV rights. Yeah, but Andrew, that's all Americana. There's a real European flair to sports media this week. You have the British Open going on, UEFA looking for a lot of U.S. money, and Wimbledon just ended where it looked like the crowd was having a lot of fun. No one that looks like he's got about 700 drinks, bro. <laughs> And we're back, the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the business reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, a lot to talk about in terms of media, a lot of rights deals. But let's start, as we always do, with who's up and who's down. Who's up? Who's down? All right, I'm going to start us off here, Andrew. My who's up? Danny Silman. He's the CEO of a company called Relevant Sports, and they're the ones who are selling UEFA rights. And I picked him as my who's up because he's looking at a huge windfall. It was just three years ago that uh, I wrote about CBS overpaying for the UEFA Champions League rights. Uh, they, they were paying uh, around $100 million per year. Add in $50 million more from Univision. It looks like from uh, reporting that I've done, that uh, UEFA is going to double that. And th- th- seeing how they overpaid three years ago, and now they're going to double it, it looks like CBS actually had a pretty good deal. Well, overpaid, now double, that's not bad. Uh, yeah. So re- relevant sports, is, seems like they're going to get a relevant amount of money. <laughs> Ooh, bad. Oh. No, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not there. editing that one out. I, I, <laughs> you keep going? All right. All right. Who's up for me? RG3, Robert Griffin III. He gets uh, Randy Moss's spot on Monday Night Countdown. Uh, He'll be on every week. Uh, Moss decided that uh, he wanted to just do Sundays. He liked that better. I think he liked watching the games on Sundays and not having to rush out uh, to go do Monday Night Football. Uh, And so uh, Robert Griffin III last year did real well uh, on games. Uh, ESPN outbid Fox uh, sports for RG3. Both networks really liked him. Uh, they got him. And now he's kind of on the way up. I mean, it, it's, it could not be more apropos because uh, he goes from last year just doing, you know, he did he did some studio uh, here and there and all those type, you know, all the shows uh, during the week. Uh, but now those regular spots and the Sunday countdown and Monday countdown, they don't come open that often, uh, especially a big one like Randy Moss's position. And it goes to RG3. So he's on the way up. I'm going to go right to who's down. I'm going to stick with ESPN. I'm going to do David Jacoby. He was a fill-in host for this just in, and he was duped into using a fake John Morant quote from an outfit called, uh, I don't know if we, are we allowed to say this on the pod? Our, our pod yeah, is- I think so. I think you can say, yep, go for it. Uh, but it's a uh, ball sack sports. Here's the thing. ESPN doesn't allow that to happen on sports center. Eric Reinholm's uh, late afternoon studio shows generally don't get duped uh but it's happened before on 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 these shows that sort of are in between sports center and and ride homes shows and the problem is is that the general fan watching the shows they don't discern a difference between those shows they, they see that they're on espn and they see people behind the studio and it tarnishes uh, sports center it tarnishes the other studio shows 
And ESPN's got to figure out what to do to keep that from happening as often as it is because it's happened before. Yeah, they make the ball sack sports people do make the quotes sound almost real. So uh, you really have to check it. It's really a problem with aggregation where these things just get kind of thrown around all types of places. Uh, and people want, especially when it's a flashy quote like that made up one was. Uh, let's go to my who's down. Uh, and speaking of flashy quotes, mine are anonymous sources. And people are like, wait, you use anonymous sources all the time. I love time. anonymous sources. Like, <laughs> Yes. Now, Ben Strauss in the Washington Post had a really good Adam Schefter feature this week. Uh, and a lot of detail, spent a lot of time with Schefter. Enjoyable read. The one thing that I don't, this is not about uh, Strauss's story. This is just in general in my career. I'm not a fan of anonymous sources where you're quoting them, dissing somebody else and criticizing them. Um, if you're using sources you know, for information, that makes sense to me. But I just think it's really easy for someone not to put their name to something and then be able to say something negative about somebody else. I saw that years back when I was on the Met beat. Uh, and I'm not going to say who I think was the anonymous sources, but uh, Newsday often had quotes uh, dissing Armando Benitez, the closer of the Mets at the time. I thought it was totally unfair. It was just a player said, put your name to it. Uh, and that's what Schefter said in the story. Uh, you can, and I have, you know, uh, take shots at Adam Schefter. I just don't think it's really fair to do it without putting your name to it. Anonymous sources are what makes uh, uh, the, our worlds go by, basically. I mean, we depend on them. My Big Ten reporting are all, is all based on anonymous sources. But I would never let somebody say, oh, ESPN's not going to get it because, you know, they're no good, you know. And, and, exactly. and well, I guess I guess where I get to is like you could say like something to that effect. It's just when you go after someone's character, basically, and you don't put your name to it. I just don't think it's fair. So I like I when I covered baseball again, you use scouts to talk about minor leaguers. But I don't think it's fair if you say, well, you know, he he doesn't hit lefties, you know, well or, you know, some kind of thing about his swing. That's fair. Right. But again, when you get into someone's like who they are um, and you make those type of um, uh, comments that uh, you're drilling somebody, I just think your name should be, you know, you wouldn't want it to happen to you. All right. So, so it, it's, it's, it is a blurry line, right? Let, let's see if a source close to this podcast says that Andrew Marchand talks too much. Is that something that, that, that you would allow to get in? We'd have a lot. I know who to, well, I know a lot of the, who would say that, you know? First of all, it would probably be you, one. Uh, you know, it could be Christopher Mason, our producer. It could be A.C. Wyatt, uh, one of our big-time executives. Don't uh, sleep on Abe Madcore, man. Come on. Yeah, Abe might say it. There's a lot. There's a lot of people who could be saying that. Yeah. So, but, 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 yes, that's the point, though. Put your name to it, John. Do you think that? Say it. Say it now. You know what, Andrew? You talk too much, man. There we go. All right. <laughs> no, he said it. It's, it's actually better, too. It's better than an anonymous source says that uh, you, you want to hear from the person. So th that's my two cents. Good story by Strauss, but I'm not a fan uh, of, you know, the use of just of using other people. Just say it then. These places also have all these like rules that they go by that they, they, they try to make themselves like a little bit like they're above it. And I don't see it in that case. Right. Like, I don't think let, they're. Let me ask you a quick question. Inside baseball question. I, I think uh, people will find this interesting. You, you, you write for the New York Post. If you were to put one of those anonymous sources in there, do you think it would slide through the editors? I mean, I think it could get in. Like, I don't think there's like, I don't know. I don't want to speak for like, um, like what our policy is. Uh, I know that they're stringent about like certain 
you know, when we do certain stories, especially legal stories, you know, when you're using anonymous sources there, you know, we, we have a process. So I, could you get that in there? Yeah, you probably could, right? Like that happened in the past. I think uh, uh, the Daily News had a writer years ago, like had like a jet story with like 10 anonymous sources talking about Mark Sanchez. They all said the same thing. It just kind of seemed hard to believe that's how uh, it all went down. But yeah, I think, look, I, I don't know. I think there'd be a discussion. I just, this is me personally. Like, I don't know exactly how we uh, would go about that. And if we could, you know, use something like that, I just don't think it's fair. That's, that would be my number one thing. I don't think it's fair to use those quotes. The story was good. Like, and I think it would've been good without those quotes, but honestly, I don't think there's another way to say it. And if people don't want to um, be quoted, I don't know, I guess you could, you could get into the general feeling that um, what the criticism of Schefter are without quoting somebody anonymously. Yeah. Or just ask Schefter, hey, hey these people say this about you. Have a, see, see, if, see if he responds to that, right? Yeah. Well, he did. And one time he said, so let me, let me just give you, before we go on to the next thing. So people are probably, you know, if they didn't read it, here's the, the lead, the one quote was, he is your, this is talking about Schefter and, you know, some of the mistakes he's made. This is from one on-air ESPN personal, personality uh, who spoke uh, with the condition of anonymity to discuss internal company business. He said, he's your preeminent journalist for the preeminent sport in America. I would hope that as a network, you're embarrassed by that, but I'm blown away that ESPN doesn't seem to care. Okay. So that one's on ESPN. That one's not on Schefter, but I still kind of don't think it's, fair like do you think ESPN doesn't care is that all right well then maybe we should ask ESPN not Schefter that you know right uh so anyways that's just my, my overall point is I just don't know if, if if that's fair you can use anonymous sources I just don't know to, to diss people with a quote I don't know if that to me is the right way to go basically you think it was a strong story without those quotes a strong yeah, enough story I think there's a different way to say it right or get somebody to actually say it or go to like I don't really like this but maybe you talk to someone outside of their, you know, someone in journalism who, who's willing to say it. Like that's, to me, would make it stronger if you actually had the criticism on the record. He could have called me. I would have said it. <laughs> could use my name. So, all right, let's move to the topics. The Big Ten, still maybe the biggest story in sports right now, maybe that and live golf, I think are kind of the two biggest things that are driving uh, really sports talk. Uh, overall, obviously, there's always football talk, etc. But the Big Ten, what's going to happen with their rights? John, give us the latest of what you know. Well, this is a big week uh, for the, for the Big Ten. They uh, are accepting uh, another round of bids, and they should they are coming in early in the week. And uh, by the end of the week, we're going to know what companies are serious and what companies are just sort of like in to to, to help uh, bid it up. Um, right now, Fox basically has a deal in place. It's, uh, it's going to have about half the package. They're trying to sell the other half. Uh, again, we, we're talking about the noon window, the 3.30 window, and a primetime window on, on Saturday uh, that, that, it's, that it's trying to sell. Everybody's circling. And what, what was really interesting, though, is that when um, USC and UCLA, when news broke that they were coming in, all of a sudden, a couple of, uh, of media companies that had uh, started to lose some interest, namely NBC and ESPN got re-engaged and, and, are, and are starting to uh, take another look. We'll see if they come through with big bids or, or not, but uh, they definitely got re-engaged. As, almost as soon as the deal happened, Apple called uh, the Big Ten uh, to, to um, say that it was interested again. 
those talks went nowhere. Uh, Apple really, uh, if you look at Apple and Apple strategy, what they did with uh, with MLS is sort of how they want to go for, forward. They want to own everything and they want to put it behind a paywall so that they're, you know, uh, you, you're paying per game or for, uh, you know, some sort of subscription uh, uh, process. So I, let me just, I just want to hit on that Apple thing before we get back into the Big Ten. And I think that's interesting because it really shows that the MLS deal might be proof of performance, right? Like it, this could be the future of sports media a decade from now, if the MLS deal is really a big success. If it's not, then, you know, where does Apple go? Because if they really want everything in these deals, I don't, I don't know who's going to do that, right? Like the NFL, that's why I said last week, I think Sunday ticket. And if they go with Apple and they start selling subscriptions with Apple and that relationship that might, we might look back, you know, 10, 15 years from now and who does that deal with NFL media and Sunday ticket, it could be the most important deal uh, in terms of setting up the next, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years of sports media. Okay. So, so there's that. And, and you know, what's, what's so interesting about that MLS deal with, with Apple is that they had everything available, all of the local rights, all of the national rights, all of the international rights. They, the MLS made sure that everything ended at the same time so that Apple could grab everything. When the NBA comes up, it's local rights, so they're going to be tied up, uh, you know, in, in, in various markets. International rights are going to be tied up in various markets. So it's not going to be nearly as clean of a, a deal as what MLS was able to sell to Apple. What do you think about Amazon? Now, it, when, when I look at this, right, it kind of, you have Fox. They had a huge success when they brought in uh, the noon kickoffs uh, with the Big Ten uh, predominantly. And then uh, 3.30, we know CBS is losing the SEC to ESPN in 24. Um, NBC has Notre Dame. Uh, Amazon makes a lot of sense to me, though, when, with what they're doing, right? We, we've talked about this a number of times. Thursday night football in New York. They got 21 games on Fridays uh, with the Yankees. Uh, you had a big, big 10 game on Saturdays. You start to really kind of make Amazon one of your places where you think about sports. Um, which I think is something that you have to sort of, this is where you're, when you talk about things moving to streaming, you have to get people first off thinking, okay, where's this game? Oh, it's on this platform and you need repetition to do that. Uh, so I do think Amazon makes a lot of sense and I do think they're going hard after it. This is going to be a fun podcast to do in September once this deal comes through and the UEFA Champions League comes through because Amazon has been aggressive in both, and it was aggressive in trying to get uh, uh, Formula One rights as well. Uh, it bid more than ESPN to try to get those Formula One rights, but not enough more because you're because it's going uh, to streaming. They got to pay a premium over the linear TV networks, and so the big question that I have, and what I'm looking for here, is are they going to bid enough that uh, the Big Ten is going to say, okay, we're going to take a package of games or a handful of games or, or whatever and give it to give it to Amazon. And that's a big question. I think what's greasing the skids, so to speak, for uh, Big Ten presidents that are nervous about leaving linear television, because linear television just uh, sees so much more, is that any deal that they make outside of Fox, uh, ESPN is going to put games on Plus. Uh, CBS would want to put games on Paramount Plus. Of course, NBC and Peacock. There's going to be a streaming component certainly 
with uh, with the Big Ten deal. So why not do streaming with with with, uh, with Amazon and, and and get more money out of it? So that is something that is that that is greasing the skids there. It's not like they're choosing streaming over linear. They're choosing streaming over streaming, but the streaming happens to be ESPN Plus versus Amazon Prime. So you there will be a digital play in this, of course. Um, and you, if I had to put you on the spot, Amazon's evolved or not? I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to bid. I think that Amazon's going to have to bid more because they're not a traditional media company. Uh, right now, right now, as we do this pod, uh, and, and this could change by the time we edit the pod and people yeah. listen to it, <laughs> I think that it, I would see Amazon as on the inside looking out right now. Okay. So that's for the big 10 rights. All right. So that would be the first one that like you, you've said this is kind of a big theme. I'd be the first one that actually linear TV networks really want, and Amazon was able to uh, to win it from them. Yeah. All right, let's bring it to UEFA Champions League. A lot of our audience, I'm sure, is huge soccer fans, but let me first explain. Champions League is the biggest club tournament there is. It's every year. I mean, there's all these different leagues in Europe, um, and – they all go and they're, they're in champions league. Uh, so for, in terms of club, uh, this is the most important championship you could argue, right? Like the league championship that you win, it's kind of on par, but this is where the top, top teams. And you have one game that is, if there's anything akin to the super bowl for soccer, it would be champions league final. The rights right now, about $150 million, uh, per year, uh, from CBS paramount plus, and then Univision. Uh, so you look at it. Um, this is something that is a huge property. It's traditionally been three years. Now they're looking to um, maybe allow someone to own it for six years, which is a huge difference because that's a much longer tail with it. They've changed the format of uh, the tournament uh, where there'll be more big time teams playing each other in the early rounds uh, before they go into the knockout round, which is like a playoff format. Um, and then this is the big one. They've changed how many games can be streamed, right? I don't know. Is it all the games can be streamed? Um, I, I'm not it's positive. not all. There still needs to be a linear TV component. Okay. That, that, so that, that, that would be easy to do. But that does open up Amazon and Apple as bigger players because before you had to put a certain amount of games on traditional linear TV. Here's what I find to be so interesting about this is that as these leagues look to sell their rights, Typically, they hire a company to broker the rights, and so MLS, when it did it, when it did its deal, it was using CAA. Um, uh, the NHL, it, it was using CAA. IMG, you know, these big agencies get the rights and they go and they they sell them to, to the networks. Um, UEFA picked Relevant uh, Sports, uh, which is uh, Stephen Ross's company. Stephen Ross, of course, owns the uh, the Dolphins. And one of the reasons that it picked relevant sports is that they they guaranteed at least two hundred fifty million dollars per year, which after just you know, that that kind of increase after a three three years of one hundred fifty million is really significant. And that to me suggests that this is this is really going to be a heavy streaming play. That plus the uh, changes that you mentioned. Yeah, let me ask you a question though, when you say that, when they guarantee a $250 million, um, you know, you're gonna get at least 250 million. What happens if they don't? Like they owe the money? Like do you have to pay them? How, what, how does that you work? You know what, I, I, I'm not 100% on that. So I, I kind of don't want to say um, okay. uh, like what, what happens after it. My, my understanding is that like they're on the hook for, for at least that. Uh, 
it's a pretty good bet because they're going to get more than that, yeah. uh, according to uh, people that, that I talk to. It, it's, it's a property that, you know, Amazon already has um, uh, th- these rights over in the UK where they're, 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 you know, really big over there. Apple, they have the MLS deal. So they're already with, uh, you know, w- w- with soccer. CBS loves it. They want to keep it. Uh, Univision uh, likes it. They want to keep it. One of the things when CBS uh, got these rights three years ago is that they identified soccer more than other sports as a driver for for digital subscriptions. If uh, streamers, uh, uh, soccer fans uh, stream games and they're they're used to streaming, they like to streaming and it's a way to build up uh, um, uh, subscribership at these streamers. Um, And so that's another reason why I expect these numbers to go up. So a lot of people like to say soccer fans like the stream games. And I think kind of that's a misnomer. I think soccer fans are forced to stream games. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking as a soccer fan. Well, we'll uh, see because I, I, they're trying to force MLB uh, fans to stream games. I bet you that. Like, I haven't seen any numbers there. But, I, uh, but well, but the thing is, though, soccer, um, lesser degree what the NHL did with ESPN, um, because, you know, you still have most of the important games are on uh, cable or um, or over-the-air television. But they put a lot of important games on the streaming services. So soccer fans have not had a choice. And the thing about soccer that's kind of also misunderstood, like it's never going to be in one place, right? Because there's just too many top leagues. It's spread out. Uh, there's kind of not really parity of leagues, but you have a lot of important um, competitions that can go different places. So, you know, Peacock and NBC can have the Premier League while Champions League is now at CBS and Paramount up for bidding. Uh, and then you have ESPN having La Liga. We go on and on. Fox has the World Cup uh, and basically owns the summer uh, with the other you know major summer tournaments uh, that they own. And so you're just in a bunch of different places. And a lot of those are digital. And you look at what Amazon's done. I, again, I think you got to watch Amazon there. I don't know if this fits into what Apple's doing, right? Does it? I don't know. Doesn't it seem... It- Here's the problem with soccer fans. They're younger, they're tech savvy, and they've proven to these big media companies that they're going to, they're going to kick and scream, but they are going to buy the subscriptions and they're going to be sticky with those subscriptions. So they're going to, they're not going to buy it for the game and then, and then, uh, and then get out. They're going to stick around for it. But the sport also lends itself to streaming because it's kind of like a Netflix sport. You know, the game is going to be an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, every once in a while, you know, if there's a, a knockout game, you have extra time. But most times you if you go to Peacock or NBC, you know, it's an hour 45. There's barely any commercials because there's no commercials. It's 45 minutes of uh, action, 15 minute halftime, 45 minutes of action. And I think that lends it to streaming. Baseball doesn't. It's a very casual sport. It's really best. I mean, to me, baseball is best on the radio um, doing something else. Uh, it might sound like an old man, but to me, that's the truth. Uh, uh, well, I was no, it's funny because I always thought when I ultimately cut the cord, I mm-hmm. think I'm just going to get whatever app has the radio calls and I'll, I'm just going to live like a kid again. Yeah, well, I, when I was a kid, I used to listen to KDKA, uh, my parents' card in Connecticut, and I'd listen to KDKA because I was a huge Pirate fan. You could you could get that on the radio if you went in like your your parents' car. You could listen to uh uh, the games because I was a huge Pirate fan. Anyways, uh, so yeah, so I don't think they've had a choice. And I think here, you're right, it could be a digital play. Any Anything else on that for you? Uh, no, I, I, I kind of want to get into the next topic. 
Okay, Andrew, which is uh, uh, Matthew Barry. I won't say stunned, uh, but they they did keep this quiet. Uh, it, it, it was surprising. He said that he was leaving ESPN after 15 years. You had a report today suggesting that he's uh, headed, uh, most likely headed to NBC. What do you know? I think he'll end up at NBC. Uh, I could see him doing a you know a daily show of some sort. Maybe there's a Sunday night football component uh, to this thing uh, where maybe he's on there sometimes. And that ESPN show, uh, Fantasy Focus on ESPN2 does really well. So does NBC and Peacock try to use Barry to develop uh, that type of show? Uh, He has 1.1 million uh, followers on Twitter. He's a New York Times bestseller. Uh, You know, he's he's good on the air, right? And that's something that... Uh, not everyone who's into fantasy sports or, you know, draft nicks or writers, you know, that trans to transition to being on the air from that is it takes it's a skill. It's a different type of skill that we prove. At least I prove every week it's very difficult um, to do to do that. Uh, so, yeah, I think it'll end up there. Um, and he is, you know, he, he does a lot of other things as well, um, which I think may have been an issue, too, with ESPN. So if you're if you're Matt Barry. Why are you making this move, Andrew? I would think money. <laughs> At the end of the day, I think they both ESPN and Matt Berry uh, were sincere in their statements in terms of uh, you know, liking each other. Um, and it was a good marriage for 15 years. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, uh, he has a bunch, he has like a fantasy app. And I think he's kind of entrepreneurial. I think NBC, I would suspect, I don't know this, but I suspect they're going to let him do these other things as well. Everyone kind of, when it happens, said, oh, he's going gambling. Um, maybe there ends up being, you know, a gambling component as well, uh, because that's how you really kind of make your income even higher. Um, so, uh, that wouldn't shock me, but I think, I think those are the reasons. So I guess at the end of the day, it's cash. So let me ask you another question then. If you're NBC, why do you want, uh, why are you going to pay money to bring over a fantasy sports uh, guru when you have Sunday night football, all the, all the, all the fantasy other than two games has already happened. Like, what, what's the advantage for NBC on this? I would say this. I, and I don't know if this is the case, if this will be true. I think when you go to the top, I think I, if I were trying to hire people, you go to the top of the market. Right. And I don't like, I'm not a fantasy player, so I don't know. Like I, you know, he has a big reputation and he seemed to have done well. So I don't want to say like, he's the best or anything like that. Cause I don't know that. Um, but I think you want to move an audience over to you and you feel like that will help gr- your, your growth. Um, and I think, especially in like a podcast world, does a Matthew Berry potentially help you? Um, if uh, his podcast is very popular, you want to have relevancy, right? So I guess, you know, NBC, you know, they, they shuttered NBC, SN, uh, they have Peacock, you know, it's smaller than ESPN. It's smaller than Fox Sports. Um, you know, I think it's kind of similar, probably, you know, to CBS, maybe slightly bigger. But you don't just put your hands up. So I think there's a play here that, you know, I don't know the exact like reasoning behind it, but I do think uh, top of the market and especially if it's a category you're not really competing in. Why not try to get into that category? It's very popular, especially when you combine it with betting. Uh, so I, I, I could see, I could see the reasons why, like, you know, and when you get the, what his exact financials and does that make sense? You know, I don't know what he's going to get, you know, at least I don't know yet. So I think when you put those things together, then uh, you could see why NBC believes it's a smart move and for its subscription. I mean, you want to make Peacock more valuable. People always think it's only, well, you brought this person over. How many subscribers does a person bring 
Well, it's not only that, it's also making it more sticky, more valuable. So when people are on your uh, app and they're watching that there's other things to, to that they're interested in. And Matthew Berry is, is pretty popular. I talked to uh, several folks over at ESPN. Uh, they insist they're not retrenching from fantasy, uh, which of course they're not. It's This is a big part of what ESPN uh, does, but they are losing their fantasy face, the face of fan ESPN fantasy for the past 15 years. And so it's going to be interesting to me to see who is going to step up. And I'm not sure if it's just going to be like one person. I you have people like Field Yates or uh, Stefania Bell or, or I, I, Mike Clay is somebody that, whose, whose name has been out there. They, they might not go to just one person and just might uh, the ESPN might decide that they're just going to go forward with this big group of people. Uh, but they're certainly going to continue to be uh, aggressive in, in fantasy. Yeah. Like I'm looking up as we talk, Field Yates, how many Twitter followers this is actually one of my skills of knowing how many Twitter followers people have. So people aren't going to believe it. They're looking on the video. I'm going to say, I have not looked at how many he has. What do you, what do you got? What number? I'm, this is actually one of my skills. Oh, for, for field Yates. Okay. I'm going to say field Yates has uh, he's on ESPN. I'm going to say he's uh, around 80,000. I'm going to say 870,000. You said 80,000 field Yates, 864,000. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fantasy is big. Fantasy is big, man. And I don't want to, we don't have to go into this. We can do it another time. We can do this another time. And this is, that was sincere. I did not look that up. This is, I don't have many skills. One of my skills though, is just throw me one. Throw me one right now. Give me a Stefania, Stefania Bell. Stefania Bell. I'm going to say 470,000. I'm going to go Stefania Bell. I want to say 272. Got to look it up. Hold on. All okay, right. We're, we're going to look gonna, it up. This is real time. Right. Bell. We're going to need some music on this one, Chris Mason. Stefania Bell. All right. Here we go. Stefania Bell. 302,000. I'm telling you, this is my only skill. I said, wow. <laughs> that is impressive. Well, I've been way off on both. <laughs> it's my only skill, honestly. I, I honestly did not look. I swear. I did not look. It's like my only skill. The other thing is, if someone tells me, I like my wife will tell you, I can't remember anything. But if <laughs> someone tells me, um, like when they start a job and I see them like six years, six and a half years later, I can remember that. It's like in my head. There's that and the Twitter follower thing. Those are my skills. All right. I just have questions about the Twitter followers. Is it sports media or could I go out give you like Pete Sampras? Nah, it's mostly sports media. Pete Sampras, let's just, I don't, I'm going to say mostly sports media. So let's just do Pete Sampras. I'll say Pete Sampras doesn't strike me as he tweets a lot. I'll go. I'm not even sure. Is Pete, is he even on Twitter? I don't even know. Right, I don't Pete, know why Pete that name Sampras, was in my head. I'm going to go Pete Sampras, 125,000. I'm not even going to guess. I'm going to say 30,000. All right. We said he's not on Twitter. I, he doesn't appear to be on Twitter. <laughs> so that was my first, first instinct was he wasn't that, on Twitter. You were, you were right. This, this, is, is, this is like savant level stuff. I love it. <laughs> right, people are bored. Right, let's get back to media. RG3 is our next topic. Uh, he was my uh, who's up. Uh, listen, you, you know, RG3 from his Washington days. What do you think of, uh, you know, obviously he could be a future star for, uh, for ESPN and kind of already is going to be on Monday Night Countdown. You know, RG3, when uh, he was down here in, in DC, he was a, he was a star. Uh, I would not have predicted 
that he would that he would be as effective on air as as he is. Uh, and I think one of the reasons that that he he has such a star on him is that he's able to criticize and but not just criticize. He's, and and his criticisms aren't over the top. He's just he 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 kind of uh, he gives the appearance of somebody who calls it like he sees it and I, I and is unafraid of being negative and unafraid of being positive uh, when it happens and I've been really surprised at at uh, watching his growth over the past uh, year and a half two years uh, from his time here in uh, DC and also uh, you know a cup of coffee he had with the Ravens as well yeah I think you hit on something very important it's not only what you say but how you say it and he's very relaxed on the air, uh, when he does games with Mark Jones, it doesn't take over the game. I want to say that, but he doesn't, um, he's not, he's very like, a, not aggressive. That's not even the right word either. The right word is assertive, very confident and assertive in, in going places that he feels like he should go in the game. Uh, and, uh, that served him well. And now he's going to be on Monday night countdown, replacing Randy Moss, who's chose just to do Sundays. All right, let's last topic Sunday ticket. What do you got? You know, we have this on here because Roger Goodell went on uh, CNBC and he basically confirmed my reporting and your reporting. So I just wanted to give a, a thanks to, uh, to Roger Goodell. I want, wanted to say hi to Brian Rolap, who we know is listening uh, to this point. Uh, they're going to go, uh, Sunday Ticket is going to go to a streamer. They're going to have a deal by the fall. Uh, there are only two streamers that are out there, Apple and, and, and Amazon. Why it, it is taking them about a full year to finalize this deal is uh, something that, I, that I'm continuing to look into. There's there's a story there. And you have ESPN totally out. Uh, if the price comes down far enough, uh, Disney ESPN uh, will, will re-engage. If ESPN is engaged, that's not good news for the NFL because uh, Apple and Amazon had sort of outbid ESPN a couple of months ago. Like they, they, they seem to be up at a, at a certain level. And I don't see ESPN, given the current state of the economy, given the, you know, the, the stock market and where Disney is, I, I don't see them sort of uh, making that bid higher. And is NFL media involved in this? You get NFL uh, media? With I don't know yet. I don't know yet. That's a, the NFL certainly wants it to be involved with it. Uh, that could be one of the sticking points. Got it. All right. Well, let's move to our call of the week. Call of the week. You know, we, we uh, had this in the opening too. Nick Kyrgios uh, just won the fifth game of the third set in the Wimbledon final that he ultimately lost to Novak Djokovic. And in this clip, Kyrgios is complaining to the umpire about a woman in the crowd who he felt was making too much noise. This is Chris Fowler, John McEnroe, and Patrick McEnroe on the call for ESPN. had about 700 drinks in Curious's estimation. In his mind nearly cost him the game, but it didn't. Thankfully. For, with yeah. a couple of huge serves, but he's, he's got a good point. It's just sometimes his way of expressing it gets a little bit it lost, might lost only, in it translation. <laughs> Rayno Lichtenstein's on the phone now, so maybe security's going to head over to that section. In his, in his mind, she was talking to him every point. So I, you know, we, we didn't hear exactly he, he, what happened. He, I heard him say a couple of points before he got the warning because when he was talking to the umpire well I can hear so now he's still going because the umpire said I didn't hear 
And Nick said, well, I'm hearing what she's got a point. But the other thing you then do is you walk up to the umpire, if you're curious, calmly, if you can, and say, there's a person over here in the first row that is talking. Just Come like on, you would do, John. You're looking at me like, don't even go there. John just gave me the look. That's all I needed. Andrew, I feel like that trio of Fowler and the two McEnroes, in 20 years, people are going to look back on them as fondly as people today look back on Bud Collins and, and Dick Enberg. I think uh, Fowler, for tennis, this is his sport. I think he, he is really, really good in the booth. And who better than John and Pat, uh, Patrick McEnroe to talk about somebody yelling at an umpire? I, that, that was must-watch TV. I, was, I, it was, I just thought that that was so entertaining during a, a, a kind of a, a pivotal point in the match. Uh, but it was more than entertaining. They told us sort of what was going on and 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 predicted what was going to happen. I mean, Curios was losing it. Yeah, I mean, John McEnroe is the person you want to hear from in that occasion because uh, he, he was he, he was known for the outburst with the umpires. And it is great. Like we always talk about, these sports want to get the viewers closer to the action, uh, and. Um, it is great when you do hear that when the tennis players are complaining, you really can hear everything they say. Uh, so uh, that was excellent stuff. I think that's the BBC producing that and ESPN takes the feed uh, where you get that. I mean, they would have gotten it anyway, but, but uh, very, very good stuff there. All right. Well, that wraps up an, a, another episode. Uh, thank you everybody for listening to the end. And we have a, a call to action here, right, Andrew? Yeah. You know, uh, we, go ahead. You got it. Our producers tell us, I mean, I think Chris Mason is going to kill us if we don't tell you, please hit like, do the five stars. And if you can do a comment, that helps us apparently. Yeah, so we do appreciate that to everybody. All right, John, another good week. Appreciate uh, everyone spending time with us uh, and we'll talk next week.